Hey guys, it's Eric. Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. Hey guys, this is Joe. Be excellent to each other. Tired of school? Who is Joan of Arc? Noah's wife? Like to travel? Can we go anywhere we want at any time? You can do anything you want. Let's reach out and touch someone. Meet interesting people. How's it going, royal ugly dudes? Put them in the iron maiden. Excellent! Execute them! Then hitch a ride with Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. Fire, dude. Rated PT. Starts Friday, February 17th at a theater near you. You are listening to Worth the Late Fee, the podcast where two former video rental clerks watch movies that they may have recommended at one time to see if they still think the film would be worth keeping an extra day or two to watch again, even if it meant paying a late fee. What's new, Joe? Eric, a lot, a lot's new. A lot's new. It's, it's Joe's, been a, Joe's had some some <laughs> IT troubles. It's been a what, like maybe a week and a half, two weeks now, almost since we filmed an episode. Yeah. So, if you remember, my hard drive crashed on me a few weeks back, and I got a replacement. I got the Western Digital Black Line, which is supposedly really good and is really good. I've always bought the Black Line, but for whatever reason, this one had a ton of bad sectors. So it kept crashing on me. So right now it's being made as we speak. And again, might fall a little bit behind, but we'll be, we'll, we will be caught up and back to normal sooner rather yeah. than later. They will not be sponsoring the podcast. <laughs> That's the, the long and short of it. Yeah. I, I, so we're recording this on August 2nd. You'll probably be, this will probably be dropping on Christmas Eve. <laughs> sucks. I was so relieved I got caught up. I know. He just, he, Joe was so stressed out because we had like six episodes banked and he was trying to edit. Cause Joe, like I've said before, Joe does all the work and he was trying to edit them and like publish them as quick as he could. And we, he, I think he, we literally just got caught up. We recorded one episode and then his computer lit on fire again. So, but in this time that we haven't spoken, I have watched a couple good movies. Um, I watched, a Netflix movie as a sequel to All the Boys, P.S. I Still Love You, a really charming film. That's based on wait, the- wait, wait, wait. So what, wait, what is it? What's it a sequel to? It's called, the movie's called To, to, to All the Boys, and the sequel's called P.S. I Still Love You. It's like P.S. That, I um, Still Love You, because yeah. there was, wasn't there P.S. I Love You, like, with Rachel Mc... Am I mixing up? Yeah, no, that's, um, oh, P.S. I Love You. That was with... Um, with Rachel McAdams, or Rach, with Gerard no, Butler. Yeah, Gerard... And- and who was the girl in it? I thought it was Rachel McAdams. Was that Hillary Swank? No, I think it was. I don't remember. Yeah, you're right. It was Hillary Swank. Hillary Swank. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a really charming film, though. And it's like it's typical high school romance drama, but it was fun. And I saw Paddington Two, which has been on the back burner for a long time, and I've I loved it. If you ever want to watch a feel good movie, all right, watch the movie about a talking bear. All right, Paddington Two is so good. I was wondering if it was the same Paddington that I. And, and I didn't realize that movie. Uh, I didn't look at the reviews for it, right? I knew the first one did really well. The second movie has the high has the record for Ron Tomatoes' score. Really? Two hundred four reviews at a hundred percent. That's insane. They paid isn't someone that, for that. Isn't that insane? I was like, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna review it tonight. Just <laughs> trash. It. Just to, I'm surprised no one has. I just I know like, just to do it. Spiteful prick. And then my last update is, uh, <clears throat> I've been so whenever I go to the beach, I like to read. I think like my time to read if it's on the beach is super relaxing. And I end up reading, uh, you, you, you said you can't. I can't, I can't. Well, two things. I have a hard time reading now, which is a knock on me because I just fall asleep. I have to be like really into the book. But one thing I've never been able to do is, and 
partially because I'm so pale. Like I'm, I mean, <laughs> I'm so pale. I can't just go to the beach and relax. I have to like go to the beach and play frisbee, or go to the beach and play like volleyball, like Top Gun style, or something like that. But sorry, you were reading at the beach. <laughs> no, I was reading for the. Uh, it's a book called Looking for Alaska. It's John Green's first book he wrote. He's written like you know the Fall Down Stars, like a lot of these like, again like teen drama, teen teen books. But I was trying to read it to get caught up because Josh Schwartz, who did the OC, put out an eight-episode limited series on Hulu looking for Alaska. So I want to read the book first and jump into yeah. this. And now I finally can. So that's what I'm doing starting tonight. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I love I love when I – it doesn't happen much anymore, partially because, like, I just – between, like, podcasts and – because I listen to, like, nerdy podcasts too, like history podcasts or whatever. So – I feel like I scratched that itch because I do like learning about stuff. I like nonfiction books. And so I, I like learning about things, but I think I scratched that itch now, which isn't good. I should read more, but I just, it's, it's like a byproduct of the era where I, my attention span is if I pick up a book and it's like, it's a very well-written book and it keeps me interested, I'm good. But if I pick up a book, even if the first little bit of it's good, if there's one or two chapters that, kind of lose me i have a hard time picking it up again see that's my problem like if i'm on the beach i have no distractions but if i'm once i pick up a book at home i'll keep on reading it but it's just picking up that book the initial pickup that's the hardest part for me at home yeah but what have you been up to in our long break from the podcast world well baseball's back for now we don't know how long that's going to be back so i've been watching watching a lot of baseball hockey's back which i i feel better about that actually finishing um, I was telling Joe before we started recording yesterday or the day before my refrigerator broke. So my wife and I have like two mini fridges in the basement that we're trying to put all of our food in and survive for the next two weeks. Cause another non-sponsor of the show Sears sucks ass <laughs> and they are, we have a warranty. We paid all this money for our warranty on our fridge and they're like, yeah, that's great. Um, we'll see you guys in two weeks. That's our next appointment. And I'm like, we have no food. Our fridge is broke. I know this is like first world problems, but it's it's frustrating so but other than that life's good uh hockey's back to watch i'm also playing hockey tonight at 10 20 we start oh, at awesome. 10 20 so yep late night you know life of beer league hockey player so but yeah we, I, i'm sure they already know from the trailer and the quotes at the beginning but what are we watching today it's your pick or are we reviewing we're watching uh we were reviewing uh bill and ted's excellent adventure he wants classic. to about classic yeah. Also what the beer we are discussing as well. Yeah. Um, so normally, you guys know, we try to find a beer that we can tie into um, the movie, but partially because of a, uh, I ran out of time, but mostly because my beer fridge in the basement is now being used as like a food fridge, like a necessity fridge. I wasn't able to go out and buy a, uh, spend a lot of time beer shopping before coming up to this episode. So I'm just drinking one of the beers I have in the fridge and it's probably my favorite beer right now. It's my favorite uh, double IPA for sure. And I think we, I think I use it for one of the other episodes. It's Flume by Battery Steel Brewing in Maine. Uh, if you like double IPAs or if you just like beer in any way and you ever have a chance, you're ever in Maine, Mass, New Hampshire, and you can get it, get it because it's, it's amazing. So awesome. Yeah. So I don't, I don't have one that matches the movie, but I'm going to enjoy it. And just, so yeah, that's all. What are you going to do? Yep. That's awesome. So what are you, what's your first memory of Bill and Ted? Um, my first memory is I, it's, I don't remember a whole lot of this. I, last time I saw this was on VHS during the rental store days. I never actually owned the film either until a few months back when I finally bought the Blu-ray 
which I'm sure will be released in some fashion when the third movie's released in the next, yep. what, coming months. So that's the reason why I picked this as well. It's like, we were just talking about this. We picked Bill and Ted, what, maybe a week and a half ago. And the day after we picked it, we found out that the third film is being released on VOD, video on demand on September 1st. Yep. So it ended up being a perfect, perfect timing because I was going to rewatch these anyways. So this is a nice right. excuse to kind of jump back into them. But one more funny thing too, Eric. We ended. We the reason why I picked this up, uh, this movie, is because you said I couldn't pick anything PG or under, right? This movie's PG, which I, which I know. I realize that I like in my mind, like this movie should be PG thirteen by all means. Yeah, yeah. Like, P- I mean, movie, yeah. <laughs> PG thirteen in nineteen eighty nine is not PG thirteen now. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I still didn't, still didn't really, I still failed that one task. I should, be, I should be clear though. I just don't want to watch movies that are aimed at four-year-olds. That's all. I was going to pick um, Dunstan checks in, and I'm yeah, so- right. Points, so right. Just- so that's 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 what I was trying to avoid. So and not not every once in a while, it's fine, but I can't every week transport back to my like diaper years and and watch a movie. But um, I actually my first memory of this movie is. I have probably seen, I've seen this movie a million times. And the reason for that is when I was younger, so my parents are divorced. And when I was younger, my mother lived in the city I live in now. My father lived closer to Boston. And when I was at my father's house on the weekends, he had not a huge movie collection. And most of his movies were like serious movies, like war movies or, you know, stuff I had no interest in at the time. Um, But some aunt or uncle or something must have at some point bought this movie for me and my brother because... I think we had like a handful of VHS tapes that we were at all interested in. And this is one of them. So my brother and I have seen this movie a billion times. I've, this one, I haven't seen, I've seen it, but I have bogus journey that many times. I've probably seen that one like a handful of times, but this movie, Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. I've seen a million times. So um, that's my first memory of it. And then a later on memory that I was going to use it for my quote. So I'm kind of just, but I used another one. Uh, Later on in life, when I was a teenager, I was into the band, the Ataris, and they have a song called San Dimas High School Football Rules, so, which is obviously a, an ode to, to this movie. And so later on in life, uh, that's what I would think of when I would think of this movie is the kid at the end going like, San Dimas High School Football Rules because of the Atari song. So um, that's what I think of. I, I really like, I remember really like well, I, when Joe said he was doing this, I was pumped. I remember really enjoying this movie. So. Is the song One Giant Reference? Because I'm not familiar with it. Is it One no, Giant No, no, the song okay. just, just it's the just title. the title. Yeah, it's it's like the classic um, pop punk, like, I love this girl, we're 16, and, and life's not, life hasn't hit us yet. So we think that, like, this one night at the movies is, or whatever is, you know, this girl's a girl, this was a girl for me and everything. But it's, you know, for that era and for when I was younger, and I still... I, it's not the worst music I listened to when I was younger. There's some bands and songs that I loved when I was 16, 17, 18, 19, and I go back and listen now, and I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> that hurts. But, you know, whatever. We all, it's, it's year 16. So, um, critically, I think I was reviewing the IMDb score and the uh, Rotten Tomato score, and I think this is kind of like the picture of a, of a cult classic. So it's a 6.9 out of 10 on IMDb and an 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. So I, you know, this movie is obviously not for everyone. You know, you're not, you're, if you're like, a, if you take yourself too seriously, you're not, this movie is not for you. If you're, if you're like so into the facts and history being true and all that stuff, or you, this movie is not for you, but it's an entertaining movie. And I think that that's a pretty good score for what it is on, on 
It's particularly on Rotten Tomatoes, which is the one that means more to me yeah. of those two anyway. So I couldn't find a score from Ebert on this. It was weird. I could oh, find I mean, a score. He did a sequel, but not the first one. Exactly. Yeah, I could find a score for uh, Bogus Journey, but not for, not for this one. So, but uh, yeah, though this, you know, it was like, you know, for what it is, it was reviewed well. You know, right. it's not going to win any awards, but that's fine. Um, so this came out, it was in February of 89. Yes, it was uh, February 17th, and today nine, and it had a budget of six and a half million, making 40.5 million in the box office. It was written by Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon, who both wrote the sequel, and they're going to be writing the upcoming film as well, yes. which is awesome. Do you know, do you know where they are, they're in the movie? We'll talk about it later. Oh, you... they have a cameo? I, I yeah, know so, that. Oh, good, good. Well, yeah, we'll oh, talk cool. about it later. Okay. Yeah. I was going to make a lot of excellent puns in this, but I decided to pull back on those, by the way. So, <laughs> All the stats? I was gonna, instead of like saying awesome or good or great, it was always gonna be excellent. But I ended up like editing this as like went along last minute. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> okay, so. it's all right. It's all right. But um, that's pretty good numbers. It is, yeah. And it was directed by uh, Stephen Herrick, who directed. He his high point was probably during the like live action Disney years with like Hundred One Dalmatians, Mighty Ducks. Um, but he also directed Man of the House, which we talked about a few episodes ago with Tommy yep. Lee Jones. <laughs> yep. Yep. That um, movie was. Oh, that was from our movie scene era. Yep, not no, not very good. Since no. then, though, since then he's directed more TV shows than movies. So okay. Um, so other things that were going on at the time, and they were February of '89. Movie-wise, it wasn't a bad month for movies. So th- other than this, three movies that came out that month: The Fly Two, which is probably more your speed than mine, Major League, and The Burbs with Tom Hanks. So that plus this—that's a pretty good movie month, I think. Yeah. On TV, Miami Vice's 100th episode aired. And in sports, the Red Sox signed Roger Clemens. So, 89, think of how different, like, baseball salaries were at the time. So, he's, you know, pr- pretty much guaranteed to be the next great pitcher. He's already the next great pitcher in baseball. He signs a three-year, $7.5 million contract, which, you know, that's good money. Don't get me wrong. I would take that contract. But now Roger Clemens has signed like a five-year, $150 million contract or something like that. It's crazy So how much it jumped. But do you have the uh, back of the DVD summary? I do. All right. So, again, this this first first paragraph here is – oh, boy. It's a a doozy. So, Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter deliver spirited performances in the original Righteous Comedy about the two dizzy dudes from San Dimas, California, also starring George Carlin – this hysterically funny historical comedy is a snappily directed, bouncy good time and a party that goes on and on. Bill and Ted have spent so much time forming their rock band, the Wild Stallions, that they're flunking history. Whoa, dude. And when Ted's dad threatens to send him away to military school, Bill and Ted realize it could mean the most heinous end of the Stallions. Luckily, a guy and angel from the future, Rufus, has come to them with the most bodacious solution a time-traversing phone booth to take them into the past to learn about the world from some of history's most influential personalities. Their journey through time turns out to be a blast, but will they learn enough to pass their class? Just because it came up in your in your back of the DVD summary, uh, Mr. Preston, Bill's father, he was... Oh, no, Ted's father, sorry. Um, so Ted's father is the biggest... He's the best, like... Whoever picked him to play the asshole father 
he was so good as an asshole father. Like you hated him. I, the whole movie, I was like, Oh, I wish someone would like kill that guy or something, yeah. or, you know, but it's credit to him. He did a good job, but um, the really, so the three cast members to think of going into this movie are obviously uh, Keanu. So uh, Ted, Theodore, Logan, uh, Alex Winters, who played Bill S. Preston Esquire and, and George Carlin. But I want to start with uh, Keanu Reeves because I think he's had one of the sneakiest, very good careers, uh, like maybe ever in Hollywood. Because if you think of Keanu Reeves, you think of him as kind of like an actor that's like so bad, it's funny. Like he, he's kind of always Keanu Reeves. But up, up until this movie, he didn't really have a ton going on. For me, as a hockey guy, he had young blood where he doesn't have too many lines, but he does the best worst French Canadian accent ever. If you, if you haven't seen, if you love like bad eighties movies or bad sports movies, like movies that are bad, but they're so bad. They're good. If you haven't seen young blood, please, I'll, I'll probably pick it on the podcast someday. Cause it's, it's amazing. So, uh, and then he had river's edge in 86 and some other lesser known stuff. But then after this, he had Point Break in 91, which is one of my favorites. I think I brought that up before. Uh, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey in 91. My Own Private Idaho in 91. That's a pretty good year. Bram Stoker's Dracula in 92. Speed in 94. Devil's favorites. Advocate. Right, yeah, another great one. Devil's Advocate in 97. So th- that's like almost like the first line of his career, right? Then he gets The Matrix in 99. Replacements in 2000. Up to today with the John Wick films and whatever. He's had like it, it's really hard to age to go that long and to kind of have he's had different parts of his career like different stages almost and he might be the most respectable actor he people love him as a person as right a, as a person right people love him he doesn't date like you know the typical models in hollywood he people are giving him um i forgot who was dating who's dating some fashion designer who is completely like uh out of left field, not like this big celebrity, just someone who he just likes, which is like, again, a very normal thing. Cameron's just like, a, he really, really, he really is like a normal guy, just sucking like this acting world, I feel like. <laughs> you know why, Joe? I was trying to go the whole episode without bringing it up, but you know why he's such an amazing person? He's Canadian. Yep. <laughs> yep. I wasn't going to say it, but you brought it up. You were like, he's an amazing person. I wonder why he's Canadian. So uh, that that's the answer for that. But no, I, but seriously though, I, I really think if you talked to, if you bring up Keanu Reeves, no one thinks of him as they kind of th- almost like they think of him as this, like, whoa, and like not the greatest actor, but he has had quite the career. Seriously, it's it's impressive. So um, Alex Winters, so his co-star in the film who plays Bill S. Preston Esquire. <laughs> it's fun to, fun to say. Not much Hollywood-wise other than this. He had The Lost Boys in 87, which is a classic. Um a lot of co-writing. Oh, he co he wrote, co-wrote, co-directed, and starred in Freaked in '93, and then he did some work on um, on Broadway. And now recently, he's been directing a lot of documentaries. One thing I didn't know until um, seeing interviews of him when they were talking about making a third Bill and Ted is that he's British. Oh, really? Oh, I know that. Yeah. I, don't think I've heard him, I don't think I've heard him in any interviews or talk shows or anything. So that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. I, I was like, I wasn't ready for that. He's but, a pretty um, good accent then, a pretty good, uh, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, it's so weird how how British people can, can like, I mean, I think he he moved here when he was young, so that's part of it, but 
it's still weird. Like British people can do American accents, no problem. And then when Americans try to do British accents, everyone, even other Americans are like, that's pretty bad, man. That's, that's brutal. So, but, um, so he's the second one. And then George Carlin, George Carlin career, his career kind of speaks for itself. Um, but as far as film, he had Bill and Ted, uh, excellent adventure, bonus shirt and bogus journey. He had dogma. He had Jay and silent Bob, scary movie three Jersey girl. So a lot of Kevin Smith stuff. Um, and then, and he's one of the greatest stand-up comedians of all time. So, um, no, I'm, so I'm, I'm so used to George Carlin as like these kind of like raunchy acts. I've he, I forgot how like very PG he is in this movie. Like, yeah, yeah. It's so funny seeing that side of George Carlin. I was, I'm not yeah. used to it. Yeah, I, I made a note to uh, there's an interview in 2013 where Alex Winter called casting George Carlin quote a very happy accident. They were going after serious people at first, like Sir Sean, Sir Sean Connery. And someone had the idea way after we started shooting of George. That whole movie was a happy accident. No one thought it would ever see the light of day. So, And I think that you that comes across in the film, that they were kind of like, you know what, we're going to make the movie we want to make. They weren't trying to to please critics. or and, and, and I think that that's what makes the movie work. If they tried to you know, fluff this or whatever, it wouldn't work. It's, it, it is what it is and like it or love it or hate it, you know, that's up to you. But as, um, so, as someone who hasn't seen the second film, I've maybe only seen it once and I, it was a long time ago. Was George Carlin the sequel as well? Or yes. they replaced Rufus? Okay. So I wonder how they're going to do the, how they, when it comes to the third film now, it's pretty much getting at like if they replace him in the third film or if they yeah, just, like, his I don't know. I hope, I hope, I kind of hope they don't. I kind of hope they write around it somehow or, yeah. or at least, yeah, I don't know. They, they got to figure out a way. Cause <clears throat> I mean, I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a replacing characters anyway, unless you have to, like, I know we talked about in the second back to the few, how they replaced um, Marty's father, but um, I, if he wasn't a big enough, they, they made that work, but, Rufus is like a pretty big character in this in these movies, so I I hope they find another way around it. So yeah, um, did you have anything down for like random facts, behind the scenes facts? Uh, I had a couple. I'm sure you have more. Um, I have one that caught my interest was uh, originally the plot was to have Bill and Ted visit, not only cause all of history's greatest tragedies, including the sinking of the Titanic. Yes, which would have been a really funny, a whole completely different film, but would have been really funny to watch them bumble around history just i had that, everything up <laughs> i had that written down too it was the sinking of the titanic and the crash of the hindenburg yes. and i thought the same thing and what i have to ask you is if let's say they did that i, I it's hard to forget this movie but i think that movie's still awesome i think that i think i would still like that movie i think it's i tough. would too yeah it's tough because you've, you've got this one stuck in your head but but yeah no i saw that too you got any other ones I do. So I have a couple um, blunders as well, but I'll go through a couple more um, of these as well before we get to the goose. The, the goose aren't as interesting. Um, Alex Winter claimed that he gets two types of letters from teachers, positive ones from history teachers in, uh, for encouraging students to learn about history, and negative ones from English teachers for affecting the way students speak. I saw <laughs> that. Which I thought was just perfect because I can only picture in '89 once this movie becomes like the hit it kind of became, maybe you know, make a point in the box office. Students kind of impersonating these two. <laughs> so. Yep. No. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, the phone booth was actually came in after because they originally had a van as yep. a time machine mechanism, but they didn't want to be copying Back to the Future, so they went the phone booth route, 
which I kind of thought this going into it. Doctor Who was still out at this time frame and it was still a really popular, really big. So I'm surprised they went the phone booth through and didn't think about Doctor Who when they decided that. Kent, so I have to make a confession. I know nothing about Doctor Who other than my brother loves it and I've heard it's amazing, but I haven't watched one second of, you could show, I know I've never seen a second of it. So yeah, I, I read that too. And Doctor Who's a weird thing because has it kind of had like a resurgence recently? Because like the fact that my brother likes it, is... it has. With um, uh, I forgot who. <clears throat> oh my gosh, I can't think of his name. Yo, yeah, but it had a resurgence, and um, the way like Doctor Who works is it works so well because they can have different actors be the Doctor and have it make sense. So like they can. They, they're pretty much all in like disguise for the most part so they can that's their excuse to like, replacing actors as it comes along so it's been out since what the 60s i think and it's still it, they can keep on going forever because of the way they structure so it. it's still on it's still on yep see i didn't even know that i thought it was just like a movie that like people got into after the fact holy crap that's yeah crazy. It's, it's still on and it's it's still popular this they i think just recently brought in the first female doctor which is really yeah. cool yeah it's, it, i've for someone my age, I'm 35. My I felt like it just came out of nowhere. Like I think if you asked me five years ago, I'd be like, "Yeah, I've heard of that. That's from like the 60s or 70s, right?" But I honestly didn't know that it was still on. That that's crazy. So, so when Bill and Ted pick up Genghis Khan in Mongolia, their screen card says it's 12:09. During the report, Bill says they picked him up in 12:69. Genghis Khan died in 12:27. Uh, in 1269, the Mongol Empire was ruled by Kublai Khan, Genghis's grandson. So, okay. I saw, there was one other one like that too, wasn't there? Another one of the people that like, like I saw it. Looking yeah. at the goofs, it seems to be a lot of historical goofs, which doesn't make yeah. sense. This film, I can't imagine like going like too much research in during all this, but there were a lot of historical goofs for this film. But that did was one of the funniest. Did you recognize the actor that played Genghis Khan? I did not. So, he, I was looking at him and I was like. What what do I know that guy from? It's 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 so weird, and I'm trying to confirm this right now. But he, I didn't know him from this. Uh, he but he was in a bunch of um, like martial arts movies in the 70s, I think, and 60s and 70s or whatever. But he was in the original Die Hard. He was one of the one of the crew in the original Die Hard. And when, when I looked him up, I was like, that's because oh, I was watching it. I was like, where do I know that guy from? And I looked up, I was like, oh, I mean, I would have never figured that out. But He was definitely familiar. He had that face for sure. And that's definitely where it's from. Right, right. So I have some casting um, what ifs, if, however you want to say it. So, And this to me is, is like casting is key for this movie because all of these, well, no, not all of these. Some of these actors that were, that auditioned for the role are great actors, but I don't think any of them would have worked. I think I think if any of these people were in instead of uh, Winters or Reeves, it would have ruined the entire movie. So, um, Polly Shore and Josh Richmond auditioned for the role of Ted. Sean Penn and River Phoenix auditioned for the role of Bill. So, like Sean Penn, River Phoenix, great actors, right? If either one of them are in this movie, it's a totally different movie. See, I was wasn't he? Uh... What's his name? Was he Spinoli from Fast and the Richmond High? Spinoli, yeah, yeah, yeah. Spinoli. He was a I, totally different actor at, at this time. 
what what year did that come out at? What, what, I can't remember what year that. I want to say like '84, but I'll look it okay. up. Okay, because I was like, I, yeah. I was actually thinking like I had that Spicoli like character mindset. I didn't realize he actually auditioned for the part. '82. Okay, so 82. that was a, that was a long ways away from coming back to that role. Right, right, but yeah, no, I, and like I said, Sean Penn's a great actor, and that's fine. Or River Phoenix was was an unbelievable actor, but it they're just not. This movie wouldn't. I think if you put anyone else in the role, it, it wouldn't have worked. And I don't think they would have had the guts to do it the way that they wanted to do it. If they once you start getting like bigger names involved and whatever. But so I'm I'm glad they didn't, which is not what you'd think you'd say. And then Phoenix River Phoenix would appear with Keanu Reeves a year after the release of this film in I Love You to Death in 1990 and My Private My Own Private Idaho in 91. So that's cool. They got to spend some time with with a uh, river before he passed away so um some other random facts like behind the scenes stuff all of the figures that bill and ted pick up through history are shown on the blackboard in the opening scene of the film uh jane oh man i should have looked up how to pronounce this correctly because i'm probably wrong jane weedlin weinlin who played joan of arc is a founding member of the go-go's with belinda carlisle um and when i saw that i thought well two things First, when I when I was a kid and I watched this, I had a total crush on Joan of Arc. Two, I think that this is what makes this movie very good is that stuff like that, you know, I watched this movie when I was like, I probably watched this movie when I was too young, honestly, but my father was not very good about that and keeping us from stuff we shouldn't be watching. But if you were 10, you could watch this movie and you're laughing at other stuff, right? Or you're 12. But then it, it also had stuff, it had jokes and historical stuff that your parents like. And that's the best thing about, that's how you do an, an unreal kids movie or young teen movie is you put the stuff in to make the kids joke, but then the kids laugh, but then you put the jokes or the references in that like adults watch and they go, hey, that's, that's uh, what's her name from the Go-Go's or, you know what I mean? So I think that's great. Um, Another one, one of the three most important people in the world was played by Clarence Clemens, the saxophone player from Bruce Springsteen's Bruce Bruce Springsteen's E Street Band. So that's a random, random cameo. And then this is the one I was talking about earlier. The two waiters at the Ziggy Piggy with the Napoleon scene, those are Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon, the screenwriters of the film. Oh, that's really cool. I'll have to go back and check that scene out after. Yeah, so that's a cool, that's a cool cameo. So um and then the last one I have is for years, Keanu Reeves lamented that his epitaph would be, here lies Keanu Reeves, he played dead. So I, I, I think... He's moved past that, thankfully. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I wonder how much of that him agreeing to do the sequel is him being like, all right, I've got enough of a, a history now. People know that I'm not just Ted. I, I can make some serious movies and, you know, I've got, I've got a resume. So I can now I can laugh at it and I can go back and do another one. And thankfully, like those, these movies are all fun and kind of like they're just good, feel good films. Like it's the best time having it come out in September with everything we've gone through so far in 2020 is like the yeah. perfect feel good film. I feel like. Yeah, we yeah we we need we need a stupid just don't have to follow a serious plot and and the stuff you were saying earlier about and I, this is a, a, a plus for both films, but the 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 gaffes as far as like history like oh this person was they said 1200 or whatever and the person actually died in 1100 that is why this movie's great because it's like dude it's a stupid movie about time travel in a in a phone booth but it's also why back to the future is amazing because even though back to the future doesn't have the historical 
the same ties to like famous figures, you see how much effort they put into doing like, you know, uh, the Lone Tree or, or like all the all the stuff where they were you go back and it, everything is constant and it changes right. based on what they do. Right. No, that's the the facts that really matter was when they gave their speech at the end of this movie. Like, well, that's when all the historical information had to be accurate when they gave their right. like, and, there, and it was. But like you said, the rules of time in this movie are very flexible, which I enjoy. Like, I don't want I don't have to think too much about the rules of time. Like, they can, right. like, they have the keys. They ask, for, they, they look for the keys and they, like, let's go back, you know, two years before this, whatever, and put the keys right here. They just bend over and pick up the keys. I'm like, that was perfect. Like, this is what I want. Right. I want, I want right. this. I don't want to think too much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't, yeah. So, do you have anything for, um, not in this millennium, you know, stuff that wouldn't be appropriate if it was released today. We talked about it in the beginning real quick. Uh, PG rating, it'd be PG-13 without a doubt, easily, if it yep. came out today. Um, and there's one scene when they hug and they say yeah. a degrading term and they kind of brush it off real fast. That wouldn't fly in today. They're, again, they're high school kids and times and language were different back then, but this would be, yeah. that wouldn't be in, as a, that wouldn't be placed as a joke in today's film. Yeah, and that's a, that's a common thing when you're reviewing movies from the 80s and the 90s is someone using that word and <clears throat> it sucks. Um, and it, it's not an excuse or whatever, but it very much was a part of life. And I really do hope that it at least happens less now. Like it's less common. I'm sure some people still say it, but it doesn't mean you don't, when you watch it, you don't cringe. Cause you're like, Ugh, that's, but it was a part of, of life. Um, yeah, no, I had that same thing. The only two things I had were that. And then this is, that was the worst for me. And then uh, the whole like Missy stepmom situation where they talked about how she would have been a senior when they were freshmen. And now she's dating, one of, the... <laughs> one of my first scenes though happens because of that scene so like <laughs> my first scene though is i'll, I'll talk about it after but i i i, I definitely play with that but man like i, we oh, got I some, love it we got some good comedy sequences though, so. no i love it but yeah it's it, for sure <laughs> and then another thing um the jokes that i totally missed when i was younger but like I didn't get, but your parents probably cracked up watching it or got them through the movie or like the, the 69 dude joke. And then uh, like Napoleon having the time of his life at Waterloo, which like when you're a kid, you're just like, Oh, the water park's called Waterloo. Like what, what's the big deal? But parents laughed, teenagers laughed. That was great. So was, was so what was your favorite scene? What was the, the tie in? When I visit the future council for a couple of minutes, this movie really does become one of the comedy the scene is actually beautiful, and the song "In Time" by Robbie Robb speaks the meaning of the scene. Uh, the chorus in the song is, "In time, we'll be dancing in the streets all night. In time, uh, everything will be all right." And that simple message that uh, Bill and Ted leave the council is, "Be excellent to each other and party on, dude." Brings the biggest smile on my face each time because it's like in the brief three minutes we escape all the just dumb comedy and we get real for just a brief moment and that and that is i still think like i look forward to that scene each time i watch this yeah I agree. um and the smallest thing i was talking about before this was when they're in uh bill's room and <laughs> and they're just like talking about like their future and then she missy comes along and then the father comes along and he gives bill and ted money to go out and then closes the door and then bill's like the 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 dialogue that happens after that, like, dude, he's in your he's in your, he's in your bedroom right now, and then you see Ted Ted says something about asking Missy out to prom not too long ago, and it's like the dialogue is just so good, but yeah. what, right? <laughs> it is, it is. It's that they they for people that at this time 
didn't have a history together that I know of, their chemistry in this film between the two of them, they, you, they're 100% believable as best friends. And that's not always the case with movies like this. So um, I totally agree with you on the, the, the end scene, the end scene at the end. Uh, the other one that I wrote down, it's kind of, it's not even about a specific scene, but it's about like a, a secret MVP of the movie. And I think that's the actor's name is Terry Camilleri and he plays Napoleon. Whether it's him at the, at the water park at Waterloo or him crushing ice cream at the Ziggy Piggy challenge. I, I just love that guy. He was, he was awesome. And then also the, the mall scene where they like leave him at the mall and Genghis Khan's like beating security guards with, you know what I mean? Like it's just, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, I loved it. So I love his brother calls out Napoleon as a dick and because he leaves him. It's like, cause Napoleon was a dick. So he's yeah. like, <laughs> he calls him out. He's like, we ditched him. He's a dick, man. So yeah. Like- <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> So you mentioned the song uh, at the end. Do you have any other notes as far as the soundtrack goes? So in time, the song happens at the end, but it happens when they, remember when they uh, arrive at the, at the future console and they're like, um, uh, they're like three guys on like the pillars. With yeah. Like the glasses. yeah, well, that's the guy, one of them from the E Street Band. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. So the song plays then and at the end. But other than that, though, it's like I, what I had was the soundtrack is excellent. The song In Time Alone. But the music captured it perfectly. I thought, like, it's nothing. I don't think they had a lot of lessons music that I could pick out in time. But Robbie Rob was written for this um, movie specifically, and as of right now, you can still only find it on the soundtrack for Bill and Ted. Um, and speaking of the song, actually, kind of off topic here, but in topic with the song, after watching Mr. Robot again, this song played during a beautiful scene between two characters in that as well, and again this song does the best job that I've seen recently capture like a hopeful future. So since Mr. Robot and now again, because of this, I'll have this song on loop for God knows two, how long now. Two things that you can be guaranteed in every episode is Mr. I'm going to bring up Canadians. <laughs> now they're awesome. And Joe's going to bring up Mr. Robot. But the funny thing is like, I'm so sorry I brought up the OC. Like I, I started off with like this thing is like bring up the OC every episode, but now I'm like taking the shift to Mr. Robot lately. So it's, it's a nice well, change. We <laughs> won't get into it. We don't have to get into it. But right before we started recording, I got this text from a number that I, I don't remember. And it was about the Black Donnellys. And I had to, the Black Donnellys was the show on NBC that had, it's the greatest one season of TV ever. It was the most amazing show that didn't get the, credit like the chance that it deserved but i won't we won't get into that because i'll go off like joe and i'll go on for an someday hour we'll, someday we're gonna have a special on tv shows though someday we're gonna have a special, yeah. special episode yeah and so anyway i was doing i'm like whose number is this because i don't want you don't you don't want to say like who is this so then they they sent me a picture of their kid and i was like oh, okay i narrowed it down because i don't know too many people that watch <laughs> the black donnelly's which is why the black donnelly's isn't on anymore and uh i was like all right and i figured out who it was so then i just pretended like i I knew the whole time. I was like, oh, yeah, totally, man. But up until that, I was just saying stuff that could apply to anyone. I'd be like, oh, it's crazy hot out, right? Huh? Hoping that they didn't live in, like, Alaska or something. But, um, yeah, no. So so I agree. For the soundtrack, we talked about it with other movies we've done, that the 80s was, like, the the best decade for me for, for soundtracks. And considering this is an 80s movie – and it's based on two 80s movie and it's based on two guys that like love rock and roll. The soundtrack is just kind of there, but that's okay. It's, it's, it's not bad. It's not the best, but it doesn't get in the way. It's and all the, everything works. It's not, you know, it's not the best part of the film, but it, it, it works for, for it. So if you could change one thing about the movie, what would you change? Uh, this film is simple and fun and it never forgets what it wants to do. 
but one of my favorite scenes makes me wish we had a little bit more insight into their life before traveling. In my opinion, some of the funniest scenes happen when they're in school or just trying to figure out life. Yeah. Uh, and I kind of wish we had a little bit more of that play when the time traveling aspects of the movie. Just like I said, I, yeah. I heard them just kind of figure out their shit for a little bit. It was just the funniest part, I thought. So, like, and once they, they, we still have some comedy throughout the movie as well. But, man, like, I kind of wish we had a little bit more of them too, just them two focusing on each other for a little bit instead of the historical I would figures. agree with that. Yeah, I could do it. Because you could, even if you just had one more scene that, yeah, explained, like, another parent, like, yelling at them or giving them, right. like, or maybe what are you doing with your life? Or Right. <clears throat> right. And one thing um, that I read too is, I don't remember the exact ages, but I think it was, like, Keanu and Winters were, like, 21 and 22 or 22 and 23 when this film was made so that's actually for for hollywood to be playing 18 year old high school seniors that's pretty good that's usually it's like 35 year olds playing high school seniors so and and it and when i go back and i watch high school movies now if it's really bad that stands out to me so i did like that they were totally believable as 18 year old kids so that was fun um my thing is tough if i could change one thing so i'm gonna say this but then i it kind of goes against what i said earlier about not casting like river phoenix and and the other guys so but this also ties into my love of uh uh, terry camillary as napoleon but if one or two of the cast members that played like the historical figures really stepped up it would have been it would have been nice i loved billy the kid i can't remember that guy's name i i had it up earlier but he was good and I loved Napoleon, but the other ones were kind of just there a little bit. And that's fine because I wouldn't want to try to put like a big name actor in there so that the whole time you can't remember, you can't think of like, oh, this is Sigmund Freud because you're thinking of the actor. But it would have been, if you could get one more lesser known actor to step up and really be funny, it, I think that would have helped. But that's kind of nitpicky. It sounds crazy, but I, I don't have much that I would change about this this film it's it's not perfect but for what it is i think they did a pretty good job no I, I do too like i don't well, know i had was i mean again they did a really good job with with what they had but i i, I kind of i made a note that they had maybe too many circle figures in one in, uh, like in, in the movie at one time like whereas like i mean yeah. they could have like cut down maybe like you know one or two of them and like have been like giving them each like you said maybe more lines yeah, that's a good point. You probably could have taken out like you could have done either Socrates or or Sigmund Freud. Like you, you know, you maybe you didn't have to do both, or you could, right. yeah, yeah, or you could have done like Genghis Khan or Joan of Arc. Maybe you don't need right. both of them, but yeah, not that that would probably be a way around it. It's just to give them each a little bit more time. Um, so, as far as how, what you thought of it. If you if you listen before you know we rate stuff on a scale of one to five. Would you mind paying a late fee to keep the movie? So, a one is low. It's like you're gonna rent the movie. You're gonna get to two minutes in and then turn it off or turn it that night because you don't want to pay a late fee. Or up to a, or up to a five. You love it. You're gonna you're willing to pay late fees from it or for it. You might even just buy it from the rental store so you can keep it. Um, would you mind paying a late fee? Uh, this is Joe's movie, so I'm gonna go first as far as what I, scoring goes. And this movie is why I like doing this podcast. And I'm so glad you picked this one. I love this movie as a kid, like I said. And I was honestly kind of nervous to rewatch it because I've watched it in the past, I don't know, 10 years or something. But 
I was worried that I wasn't going to like it as much as I remembered liking it. Um, and this score might seem a little bit high, but we've said before we judge things based on how much we like them and how much fun we have watching them, not based on, you know, what awards they win or what the AFI thinks. But uh, I'm going to say four out of five. All right. So, yeah, so that's my score. I don't care. I liked it. I, I'm not ashamed of it. All right. Well, I'm going to say a four out of five as well. So that's actually what I had as well. And I think that's like you said, it's you go into this movie and you're, you know, I'm not expecting like, you know, this, some award-winning film, it, the film knows what it wants to do from the start. And it's a great job with it. Like they don't right. lose track of what they're, where they want to be with it. It's a fun comic, simple. You don't have to like, wrap it's, your stupid, it's stupid, but, <laughs> but it's right, funny. But it's funny, but it also has like, it has this heartfelt moments. Should I say like the end time song when they're like trying to like, when they're, Given their speech to be good to everyone and everything, like I love how it can easily rotate from it can switch from dumb comedy to a bit of you know uh, to giving a good message and then to again going back to dumb comedy and then again giving like actual historical information in the end that's that's accurate. You know, it's a great scene that that I think sums up this. I almost mentioned this in my favorite scene, but when they're back in medieval times and Keanu like falls down the stairs and then. Uh, have his armor. <laughs> yeah and then he the other guy like st- there's the suits laying on the ground and he kills like he stabs like you know he kills whoever's in the suit and alex winters comes down and he's like you killed ted you medieval dickweed <laughs> something like that <laughs> and it's it's like the perfect thing because it's it's he that's his best friend he loves his friend and he seriously is and then he attacks him like which is pretty ballsy if you think about it because he's from san Dimas, california that's the first time he's ever picked up a sword and he's gonna like go at it with this guy because he just killed his friend it's it's right. awesome and in that same scene again you can talk about like you said that's like the heartfelt of it in the same scene though the way he gets out of it was he somehow fell out of the night outfit right and like we don't ever see that happen he just we just assume we just believe him because he felt like and that's fine like i've accepted right. this movie i've accepted and all of its quirks and all of its dumb comedy like i'm yep. okay with this and it's like i'm excited to i've watched the sequel now and then eventually the third film was like i really want to see like how how the chemistry is between these two characters still yeah, I'm nervous about the third film, but but reading because I was most nervous about Winters, but reading that he's still been very involved in um, like uh, theater and then directing documentaries <clears throat> makes me less nervous because I was worried that it was one of those things where like, you know, he's been just collecting money from other stuff or he's been like an insurance agent for the past 30 years. And then they, just cause they wanted to make it, they were going to drag him out of retirement. But the fact that he's still been involved, I just didn't know about it. It makes me happier that, that, you know, it gives me more hope. So that's good. And then the, what you said earlier about Keanu and how everyone says he's the most down to earth, like, you know, relatable common man, Hollywood star you can find makes me confident that he can just kind of turn off his fame and be a tool and be like a, you know, be the butt of the joke for, for a movie. So no, I'm excited too. And, and I, I actually didn't see, I didn't see bogus journey for a while after I saw this one, I do like Bill and Ted's bogus journey, but I think the gap between this and that is pretty, for me, it's pretty big, but it's still, it's still an entertaining movie, but I like this one a lot more, but um, I think I mentioned earlier, yeah, I'm drinking flume from, uh, battery steel in maine it's amazing it's always amazing and once now that if my wife and i can get our refrigerator working again i'll try to get a beer that's tied into the next episode and you know make it work follow us on instagram worth the lead fee 
Um, suggestions are always welcome. So if you send a suggestion, uh, just message us or comment uh, on worth the late fee. We'll kind of, that'll cut to the front of the line. Um, but if not, the next one's my pick. We'll be back next week with my pick. Um, we're going back and forth, Joe and I, and I always try to go back and forth, 80s and 90s. So my last one was an 80s movie. And my next pick, Joe, I Joe doesn't know my pick this week. I stumbled upon this movie accidentally the other day because I was trying to watch, I was scrolling through Amazon Prime, just trying to find a movie to, to watch to kill time. And you and I have been nervous about reviewing too many movies that we think we would both obviously like. Like this one actually, I didn't see that coming, but we both like this one a lot. So we were worried about having too many like, oh, it's a four for me and a four and a half for you, a five for me and a five for you. I think I found a solution to that. Well, I was perusing. watching a shitty movie this next week that we're doing. I'm watching a shitty film. <laughs> it, I so I watched I watched the first like 40 minutes of it and I was laughing my ass off. So I will finish it before we record this next episode. But we will be watching and reviewing the 1997 Amazonian classic that stars J Lo, Ice Cube, Owen Wilson, John Voight, and the junior varsity Marty McFly, Eric Stoltz, Anaconda. Oh so, boy, I have this DVD, which is awesome. So I'm fully on board. So. Dude, I saw this when I was, I probably saw this around 97 or 98 or something. And I didn't remember it as the greatest film of all time. But I was, I was watching it the other day and I was like, this looks like a movie that would be made by like a local high school. It is so bad that it's good. So I'm, I'm excited to like just it's the perfect movie to watch and like have a beer and just laugh your ass off too so i haven't seen this in forever that's why i saw this i think during the uh old when you have like you would have like two pay-per-view stations you had to pay like five bucks yeah. for the movie like this last time i saw this was like when during the old like pay-per-view stage days yes. so awesome. yes you're gonna love it it's i believe it's under an hour and a half i feel like it's like an hour and 28 minutes or something like that and it is it's like i said it was it's entertaining at the very least, it's entertaining. So we'll be back next episode with, with uh, J-Lo's film, big film breakout. I think she was in movies before that, but her breakout as far as a leading actress, Anaconda. So thank you guys very much for listening. Love the movie. Good pick, Joe. And we'll see you guys next week. As always, guys, thank you.